Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Wake up! With your chance to sound off, give your opinion, and tell us your thoughts. It's on. It's now. It's here. It's the Andy Griffin Show on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU, Southern Utah's news talk leader. A complicated issue when you change frequencies. I found yesterday that there were some liners still playing during the Ben Shapiro show that had the wrong frequency. Of course, we're 92.5 FM now instead of 94.9. And then uh, just now playing uh, one of those focus on business programs with Pathway Hospice and Palliative Care. Their intro says 94.9. So I got my work cut out for you. It seemed like... You know, little things like posters and doors and, and shirts. And it seems like there's a whole, just like a million little things that you've got to catch and change. But, uh, yeah, full disclosure here, we're, I'm working on it. I'm doing the best I can to make sure we're 100% changed over to 92.5 FM. I'm Andy Griffin. Good morning to you. Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show. Uh, it's about 10 minutes now after 9 o'clock. We'll kill that music, and uh, we'll bring in Terry Hutchinson. Terry will join us from, is joining us, from Washington County School Board. Hi, Terry. What's up? Hey, Andy. It's, Glad to be back. It's been a while. It has been a while. It's kind of funny. Um, I mean, I'm on every day in the morning. That's true. That's this true. Is a different, this is a different gig. I was going to say, I hear your voice every single day, Terry, so don't tell me it's been too long. But, uh, <laughs> it, yeah, this, this is definitely different. You know, uh, when uh, I got sick. never gets old, does it? When I got sick in December, I actually ended up in the hospital for a few days. My uh, number one backup guy was a guy by the name of Terry Hutchinson. Uh, just so happens, right about the same time, you broke your leg. And uh, so we had nobody to do the morning show. It, it was terrible. I mean, your your poor wife is texting me from the hospital, and I'm sitting here going, uh, I was at the hospital yesterday. <laughs> I was just there. <laughs> and I cannot drive myself anywhere. Oh, man. I mean, so, yeah, uh, two places, just a, a weird kind of freak thing. and um, But it is getting better. Um in, in fact, I had a little setback, so I, I had to be remote for my two school board meetings this week already. But last week, I went to both of them in person. And uh, it's good to be out and get back with the board members and be in, you know, it, it, the meetings are so much more effective when we're in person because you, you get the whole picture of what's going on. So I've been chomping at the bit, and hopefully by the end of the month, we'll see. But three months at least on crutches, and it's your right leg, so you can't drive. And it's not just an ankle or a walking cast. It's like, uh, geez. So I've had a knee brace and an ankle cast, and wow, it just it, it was messed up. Well, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to so ask you. Anyway, I'm going to ask you the question. I know you've been asked a hundred times or more already. How did you do it? What happened? It wasn't something cool. I Aww. was uh, I was running you, in the street, and I thought I, you were saving a kitten's life or something. yeah that's what my kids keep telling me to say so you hit a hole Uh, while you were running yeah yeah and i uh i you know running is generally against my religion but (laughs) for some reason i i chose to do that and anyway i broke the tibia just below the knee and the fibula just above the ankle and luckily it was on the same leg so you know could have broken an arm as well but it didn't and uh, anyway it was it was kind of a, a little bit of a trauma but we got through it you protected the money zone your face right <laughs> <laughs> well i have a face for radio so it doesn't matter. 
by the way, if, if uh, I always tell people, you see me running, you better run too because something is chasing me. Uh, that's the only time I run. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, welcome to the program. We want to talk Washington County Schools today. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, last few days, uh, or a couple of weeks, for the Washington County School District and schools in general. It, uh, I guess, the thing that kind of, kind of, I wanted to kick it off with was uh, your your uh, involvement in with the Salt Lake Tribune. They had an editorial. You had kind of a guest counter editorial. Tell us a little bit about that, Terry. Well, we. Um took an action on a on a book yeah and uh, the author put an op-ed in the in the tribune and most of the coverage has been uh you know i, I won't say slanted but but especially the media coverage it doesn't hasn't mentioned the most important factors and so when i saw that thing in the tribune as an individual um you know it wasn't an official position of the board or anything i emailed the guy at the tribune and said hey i'd like to respond he said sure uh, people are surprised that the Tribune would publish it, considering, you know, they're more liberal band in, in their audience. But yeah. I, I do think that they didn't mind, maybe for whatever reason, they didn't mind having an opposing opinion. And it wasn't a complete opposing opinion. But what I what I basically tried to help focus on in the, in the thing was that the coverage in particular and the focus isn't on banning things. It's not on banning ideas. It's about specific age-appropriate material, and that was the primary focus of it. And uh, so that was my purpose, was just to give a little pushback as an individual. And then also, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a unique situation. First of all, I am a board member, although as a board, we, you know, we didn't, uh, the, the process was, was done by, by different people according to a policy. And um, I felt that as my prior public service was on the Washington County Library Commission, and we'd had these issues all the time. What do we put in our libraries? What do we not put in our libraries for the public? And granted, it was 20 years ago. So it's like times have changed. Mm-hmm. Um, what what kind of media do you put in, in? And it's a public library. And then also because of bookmarks, I'm on the show, every, I'm on the radio every day, as everybody can hear, unless, of course, I break my leg and you're in the hospital. We, we had a little <laughs> hiccup there in December, I guess. We did, yeah. But... <laughs> But, uh, you know, because of that, I, I, I'm not in favor generally of those. But, you know, when you're dealing with schools and kids and students, there's just a difference. And so that was the purpose in, that was the purpose in my response. I, and it was just to, to provide another element to it that seemed to be lacking, especially in the media reports. You know, I, I think back to when I was, say, in high school and, and post-high school, um, you know, we associate, you know, banning books, burning books, uh, Fahrenheit 451, uh, Nazism, uh, all those things are ingrained in you as you, you know, I'm American, I'll never burn anything, I'll never ban a book. It, you know, it, it, it's in your psyche. And so when this first issue, this issue first came up, and it's been, you know, I've been doing the show three years now. I think it was the first month or two I was on, you know, we were talking about about book banning or not allowing certain books. And, and my first, my gut reaction from the way that I was raised was, oh, banning books is bad. No one should ever ban a book. And then, uh, as you explained and other people explained to me, look, there are certain books that are inappropriate, especially for certain ages, and uh, I thought to myself, and at the time, you know, I'm, all right, I got kids, I got grandkids coming. 
maybe they actually you're correct on that. I mean, I don't want we don't want to give you know a, a 14 year old a, a unlimited pass to a porn website, uh, just like we don't want to give a you know a 10 year old a book that has drawings of you know naked people in it or or you know other such vulgarities and and so i've started to come around a little bit terry but uh, i think uh, you were you were fighting uh really people being ingrained that banning books is bad it's it's of the devil it's it's, not you know we have a thing called the first amendment and and certainly everybody has their first amendment rights the other thing in the in the thing that i wrote in the tribune focused on parental rights and mm-hmm. involvement look parents have the right to raise their kids however they want whether you and i disagree with it or not right. i mean you know it's kind of interesting because i got some comments um you know uh, from people who were critical of, of some parents and while i may disagree with how they raise their children or what they want to do th- there's nothing that says that they can't introduce their children to to whatever they want and there's a lot of parents who let their kids watch whatever they want have whatever media they want mm-hmm. they, they don't they, you know they don't monitor it and then there's a lot of parents that do and the parents are the ones who should have the say about that for their own children and so you know we, we um this whole incident has caused us to kind of review our acquisition policy in particular so that when we're putting things in our school libraries and in our curriculum that we're really paying attention. Um, We don't have a lot of the drama on some of the teaching that's going on. For example, something called uh, social emotional learning or, uh, you know, the critical race theory things or things that people have been complaining about, especially up north. Um, each individual district has the right to do certain things and to teach certain things in their curriculum. And it's an issue for me primarily of local control. And that local control um, hopefully recognizes the rights of parents to be participating in that. Now, you know, when it's a public entity, you can't please everybody. But it is our nature to say, yeah, let's let this idea come out. Let's let that idea come out. And really, the ideas are not the are not the issue. But sometimes there are materials, say movies, for example. You wouldn't put R-rated movies in your schools. I mean, right. there, there's a reason for a rating. And granted, it's kind of a voluntary thing. And occasionally, it's an arbitrary thing. But... You know, you, you just wouldn't introduce it there because it wouldn't be appropriate for whatever reason, whether it's violence or gore or sex or nudity or anything else. But yet, you know, we we sometimes overlook the fact that just because something is in the sacred printed word that it may or may not be age appropriate. Yeah, and, it automatically uh, becomes those are the kinds of things yeah. that people wrestle with. And so. You know, that's that's just an issue. It, it kind of reminds me, it was a fascinating experience I had. So when I was the county uh, chairman of the county library commission, we got a bond pass. We doubled our library size. We added a lot of books. We Henderson down in Las Vegas lost a bond for a library. A couple of others did, too. And so there was a there was a task force put together i don't know a bunch of library people maybe it was a state library board and they got us all together on a conference call to see how we could get more money out of the legislature and one of the big controversies at that time was internet filtering mm-hmm. and the american library association which is you know pretty liberal 
um, decided that they didn't want any filtering in the libraries. They felt that was censorship. Hmm. Well, you know, but, but from my standpoint, it's like, well, wait a minute. And this has been proved out that if you don't filter in the libraries, most of that Internet usage in your public library, especially in, in urban areas and other places, is going to be pornography. Yeah. And then you're going to have a whole bunch of other issues that are related that are basically safety and health hazards for librarians because of that. And yet I, I just made the comment. I said, look, we have one of the most conservative state legislatures in one of the most conservative states, you know, from a, a religious family, moral perspective anywhere in the country. And you want us to get more money from them to put Internet in our libraries and to do these things. And yet you're fighting the filter that protects children, that gives parents the right of control, that protects the public in some respects. It doesn't make sense. And uh, I was never invited back. We'll just say that. <laughs> they, they didn't like your message, apparently. Well, let me ask you. Well, it was a very practical message. Let me ask you right now. Uh, how? What's the process of getting books into the library? Is every single book looked at by by the board, by this committee? Uh, and, and right now, no, Carrie, the are, are the have had autonomy and we're just in the process of reviewing that policy. So there's a policy about what goes in there and, okay. um, that's under review from the board. Um, I think it's being released for public comment right now. And really, I, I can't say any more about it right now. Are, are there are there books right now in a school library in Washington County that would be considered very offensive by our our current St. George society, Washington County. That's possible, but I'm I'm not going to comment on that right now either. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, as far as the Internet, by the way, maybe you can finish the story. Whatever happened then with the Internet? Are there filters in our public libraries? <laughs> yes. There, well, I don't know about the public library now. I presume so. Yeah. But we have them in our schools. School now, can kids get around the technology? Sure. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, you know, we, we all know that it's kind of like putting your finger in the dike. Yeah. And everything's going to come around, and the kids get all the stuff on their phones. And, you know, some of the comments to my uh, to my post, both on, on social media as well as comments in the Tribune itself, which were generally negative, and some of them made me laugh, Um <laughs> Never, just, never read the know, comments, that, that's Terry. One of the things. <laughs> oh, always. always. Uh, to not respond back, Andy. That's the key. I've been, I've been a writer. It's funny because I've been a writer my whole life, and obviously, I have literally thousands of articles out there in the Tribune, the Deseret News, other other publications. And uh, my wife absolutely loves to read the comments, and I comments, and I always tell her, "Honey, don't read the comments because you're just going to get mad." And sure enough, she gets mad, and because people, you know, it, it's it's so anonymous, especially the comment systems with public like newspapers and things like that that they don't oh, even yeah. have to give a real name; they can just say whatever they want and oh. give a fake name. And, well, and, and it's the same with social media. I mean, you know, and that's the thing. You just you just take it with a grain of salt. And, and and really, it's a it's a skewed version of what's out there. I mean, yeah. even even you know the media and so forth. But but when you you look at your media feed on your Google page or whatever comes through, you know, just remember that's all channeled in a certain way. And so this these arguments are always based on you know portraying the victims as noble and and as being oppressed and this and that and the other. And then, then the media kind of sets the tone. And that tone can even affect 
the way you view how you're going to act, what you're going to say, what you're going to do. And, and it, it's a pervasive in our society. And, and sometimes you can, you can go too far the other way. So you can give too much credence to the media. Or you can give too much credence to the social media. And, and that's really the challenge. And especially for, you know, elected officials and, you know, other people in the public life, for example, the, uh, the, the name change for the university it was a real hot button. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, history is going to say whether or not that was a wise decision or not. Um, the ones with the political power, obviously, were able to do what they wanted to do. And, uh, you know, it left some real deep wounds in our community. I think nobody could argue that. And some some personal things that may never heal. And uh, it's just really sad to see that. And, and in part, that's inflamed by the media and by social media. And then, you know, the partisan nature of things is just creeping in everywhere. And that's something else that, that we have to be concerned with. By the way, if you want to read Terry's uh, guest editorial, it's in the, it's sltrib.com. I'm not trying to sell subscriptions or anything to them, but I think it's important. It's something to look at and read. Terry, what was the process? Did you uh, or did you have a friend you were able to call and say, hey, I'd like to, an article? Or did you just submit something? Or how did that work? No, I just emailed. They they have a contact on their website. I just contacted the direct, you know, the the editor of the op ed page and said, "Hey, you published this. Here's who I am. I'd like to respond." And he said, "Sure." Did that is really, you know, I think they got one of my words wrong, but it didn't matter. They got the picture right and they spelled my name right. That's what matters. <laughs> I have a story about the Tribune years ago. Uh, I, I actually wrote for them a lot uh, when I was in college and right after college. And in fact, for like 10 years, I wrote probably at least an article a week for them. And uh, But one of the problems is if you write an article early, uh, then the editor gets bored and starts tinkering with it. And I remember covering, a, I was covering a national tournament, a national tournament for junior college basketball. And the game that uh, about Dixie was playing, the game I covered was like at 10 o'clock in the morning. So by, you know, by one o'clock or two o'clock in the afternoon, I had my story turned in. Well, the editor got bored, started tinkering with it. And by the time he had done his quote unquote editing, the story was completely wrong. And and so I, I was pretty angry. I was angry enough that I, I called the editor and yelled at him. And he said, well, I, I didn't mean to screw it up. And I'm like, well, I, I'm sure you didn't. But uh, I'm not planning on writing for you guys anymore. And I've been writing for the Deseret News ever since. So, <laughs> so one, of the, one of those deals. Don't turn your stuff well, in you too know, early. But with, the, with the editorials, though, especially the guest editorials, because I was responding to an editorial written by the author of one of the books that was a subject as well as one of her colleagues at Ohio State University and um, you know but I it, it was a more general response in terms of what the media and she had failed to, to deal with in terms of parental rights for the students and also the age-appropriate nature of the material we were dealing with rather than the specifics of her claims um, right I'm, I'm not I'm not publicly commenting on any of those. I, I think something that's come to light, and we've talked about it many times on this show, is is parental involvement in, in kids' lives. And I, I don't want to come off as a grumpy old guy, and I know you don't either, Terry, but uh, the, the kids that succeed, by and large, not 100%, but the kids that su- succeed are the ones 
whose parents are involved in their life, in their school. And, you know, and, and the ones that really struggle are the ones that rely on school to be mom and dad, to re- rely on the school to, you know, to, to babysit them and, and to help them through. And not that the schools can't do it. Some, there are some great success stories. But generally speaking, the chances of a kid succeeding are maybe 100 times greater if the parents are actually involved in the kid's education. And this goes for, you know, what books they might read. Well, I think I think we um, across the nation we're seeing more parental involvement. Oh, I hope but so. Once again, it's the same. It's the same groups. It's a it's a group that has what I call a uh, a family structure mm-hmm. that helps them to do that. Um, there's there's certain people that because of the nature of where they live, how they're uh, the single moms, people in you know in urban areas, maybe in the projects, they don't have that family structure that helps to provide for a good education and even enables the parents to give support. The parents just can't. And and as much as we try in the schools and so forth, they, they physically can't for whatever reason. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But you're right. It is it is parental support. And I think I think for the most part, our parents have been, you know, they check their kids on their homework and they do other things. And then all of a sudden, some things have come to light recently in the national media that has caused people to question what's happening. And they're taking a look at it. And that's why you're seeing all these parent groups popping up, especially especially in northern Utah right now. Um, uh, we don't have as much drama here in our county as they do up there for, for various reasons. But one of them is that the, the local school boards have been making decisions that some of the parents are disagreeing with and perhaps most of the parents. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see how school board elections go this coming year, especially up north. I mean, the Salt Lake County School District, that board is um, making decisions to close at the drop of a hat and do remote learning when we know that hurts students. But frankly, that's the issue of local control. In fact, that's even what some Supreme Court decisions have said is saying we don't want to get involved in these decisions because there's 30,000 plus school districts around the country, I think. And, you know, that's it, it is really the most intimate relationship between the, the public and their elected officials is really the school board. At least it should be, mm-hmm. because because that's the thing that the. The parents and the the board and the teachers and everybody are trying to work for what's in the best interest of the students. And they may have differing viewpoints about how to get there or what to do or anything else. And if you don't like what's happening, um, then you need to change your board. And and the nature of the boards is made so that, you know, you can't just sweep out the whole thing. So, for example, let's take our board. We have four members up for re-election this year if they choose to run. And uh, then two years from now, there will be three. So so you can affect a change in the board. But, you know, most school board elections, particularly, I mean, nationwide, are really sleepy affairs. You know, you throw out yeah. a few signs, you, you do an ad, maybe or two, and it, it really doesn't become heated. But the politicization of things, and especially, you know, some of the things that have gone on in bigger counties like Loudoun County in Virginia and other places, have caused uh, a lot of people to pay attention to what schools are doing. And one of the other things is the remote learning during the pandemic 
caused parents to see actually what their kids were doing and learning and being taught. And some parents have been more concerned as a result of that. They had trusted in the system, and it turned out that maybe the system didn't do what they had been entrusting it to do. Yeah. And so for that reason, you know, you're seeing a lot of turmoil and you're seeing a lot of pushback from from some parents. And like I said, we've we've been really uh, fortunate here to to be able to have a good relationship with the parents and with the community. And yeah, we we had some pushbacks. We had some protests during the masks. We did some other things. And I, I you know, I but I think people ultimately realized that the mask thing wasn't really coming from us. It was coming from up north. And yeah. once again, it was because you didn't have local control. I mean, frankly, I don't like seeing the legislature get involved in mandating what school districts do or don't do. That takes away from our local control. That's right. if, if they say you can't mask the student, you know what? I don't like that. I like the policy. I don't want to mask the student. But on the other hand, I want the ability to as a it. local school board member to make that choice. Yeah. Or yeah. if or to have my local school board member who I live next door to or who I know by name and see all around, you know, whatever, or can just pick up the phone and call anytime, which people do to me all the time, <laughs> uh, you know, to, to be able to have an influence on what's happening there. And I think it's these things. And, and that's why, you know, the State Board of Education will take an action, which is only recommended that people will get all fired up about it, thinking, oh, this, this is a law, this is a rule, this is a this. I'll tell you what, we don't have laws or rules unless the legislature puts it out or unless they follow the rulemaking process where where we have to do the administrative rules according to the governor. All right, I got to get a weather break in, Terry. Let, let, let me jump in and do a little quick weather break. When we come back, we'll talk about an emotional meeting last night. And I'm told you had a meeting today, but we're not really allowed to talk about that. We'll- we're interactive on The Andy Griffin Show. Call in, Call in at 673-5890 or text in at 435-467-5842. Let your voice be heard on The Andy Griffin Show. I had a report from a caller earlier that Sunset Boulevard was messed up between Santa Clara and uh, Dixie Drive and down to one lane. I'm not sure if there was construction or if there was an accident, but hopefully they got that all cleared up. That was about an hour ago, maybe. Uh, Anyway, like I said, hopefully they got all that cleared up. Bluff Street's moving along smoothly. That's the only street I can see right now. Thanks for joining me, Andy Griffin, on The Andy Griffin Show. It's Wednesday. By the way, on the program tomorrow, Chris Hart, the mayor of Ivan's, which actually coincided uh, coincidentally coincided with him giving a state of the city address in Ivan's today uh, for the St. George Area Chamber of Commerce. I'm going to try to get over there today, although uh, sometimes duty calls and I can't uh, as far as the work here. uh, We are uh, actually right now revamping our Saturday lineup. And uh, yeah, I can tell you there's going to be some cool new shows on Saturdays. We'll keep Kim Commando. We're adding a travel show. We're adding uh, a lifestyle show. I I really can't be too much more specific about that. We're adding uh, a conspiracy show yeah, on Saturdays. So uh, I think you're going to like our new Saturday lineups. Uh, Also a new show on Sunday as well. Uh, That'll be right here on KDXU. Talking today with Terry Hutchinson, Washington County School Board member. 
and uh, often guest here on KDXU. I haven't had you for a while because you broke your leg for crying out loud. You okay, Terry? Well, part of it, part of it too, Andy, is that the other board members have been coming on. I mean, this is something I've been encouraging for a while, and sure, this year sure. we finally we finally got a little better at it and more effective. And yeah. so we we've had the other board members on, and I think that's important. Um, I'm happy to be one voice, but I'm just one of seven, and. Yeah. Um, you know, to, for the board to take an official action, the majority of us have to support it. So it, it's good to have everybody's perspective given. And, and I'm really happy to let them have the microphone, even though I really enjoy being here, as you can tell. Yeah, I, I love having you on. I appreciate it. And you're right. It's, it's been good to have other voices. Dave Starlin and uh, or Sterling and, and uh, Lorene Cox have been on fairly recently. Of course, mm-hmm. uh, Steve, mm-hmm. Steve Dunham. Uh, kind of referees us all, and I don't know that we need a ref, but he kind of coordinates it all. But we well, sometimes that. it's like herding cats. So, <laughs> so you were mentioning right before we went to break about a meeting. We did have an emergency board meeting this morning. It was at six thirty in the morning for two hours, but it was a closed session of the board. So um, you know we don't comment on on what happens in those. But those are those are issues where we talk about personnel, issues where we talk about property and and other things and sometimes legal issues. So those are issues that are allowed by law to be in a closed session, and that's what we did. And we normally like to have more notice, but when there's an emergency situation that comes up because of some kind of time or something that's happened, uh, we can have emergency meetings, and that's what we did here. We weren't able to take care of it during our work meeting yesterday, which uh, you know went about two and a half hours. And then I understand they were there till at least 6.30 and maybe a little later, for the public meeting. Um, and there were a lot of comments there last night. And I wasn't, I, I'm able to participate in the work meetings by phone, but when I'm not there, they, they don't type in the others. I have to go back and listen to the, listen to the uh, recordings afterwards to get the public comments, which I do. I just haven't had a chance to do it now because I was getting ready for the meeting this morning for several hours last night after the meeting. So anyway, there's a, there's a, a joke around uh, the radio business that if you get if you get a message from the engineer that you that uh, passwords have changed, you know somebody got fired. Uh, and and I, obviously you can't comment on the meeting this morning, but if it's a closed meeting, it might have had something to do with that. Who knows? But uh, that's my words, not yours, Terry. I don't want to get you in trouble. Uh, what about yeah, last night, well, though? No, it, it wasn't anything quite that. Oh, drastic, okay. Well, that's good. It was very important, and uh, we needed some more time as a board to to come to a consensus. Uh-huh. What, what about last night, though? Emotional meeting, a lot of folks there. Can you tell, what can you tell us about uh, well, yesterday's work? I remember, meeting? you know, th- this is the thing. When you, when you go to the public meeting and the public is able to comment, okay, there's a lot of different things that go on there. But we have a policy, and it's not mandatory, but we have a policy that the public can, can make a comment if they want. Now, we have action items, and people can comment on those, but also, uh, if you're going to to, uh, you know, comment. We have a form that you fill out. But one of the things uh, that that people should remember is they're limited to three minutes, mm-hmm. um, and nobody can address the board more than once during a board meeting. Mm-hmm. And the comments have to be addressed to the board as a whole, so you don't name people, you don't call out people this or that or whatever. And, and you know, normally we don't respond to those comments. I mean, oftentimes after the meeting we'll say, hey, see, go see Larry, go see so-and-so, or a board member will reach out. Or afterwards you'll go down and we like to mingle with the people that are in attendance, and, and, and most of the time we wind up talking to them for a while and 
kind of sorting out some of that and getting a feel for it. Um, the other thing is that uh, we don't allow complaints directed at specific individuals, uh, you know, during an open meeting of the board. Sometimes you can ask for a closed meeting if you've got a real significant issue, but normally there are other processes that you follow for that. And then the comments must not be vulgar or include obscene language that's not appropriate for all the participants at a public meeting. And at our public meetings, we often have students, as we're often reminded. So, you know, we want people to be careful about that. So I guess, you know, and sometimes there are more people than not. And there, there was something that went out, I think, mostly on social media that we were voting on some kind of a some kind of a gender policy or something. And actually what that is, is that the State Board of Education is preparing some recommendations. I mean, they've been preparing recommendations on uh, library books. They've been preparing recommendations on this. It takes a long time. There's some public comment and then they vote on it. And even then, it's generally not binding on us. So somehow somebody thought that was us. Hmm. And really, most of those comments should be directed to the state. Uh, and I think Craig pointed out at the meeting last night that, hey, we're not voting on it. It's not on our agenda. It's not something that we're considering at the moment. Um, obviously, we are paying attention to what's happening in litigation cases around the country. We're paying attention and getting legal counsel about what to do and how to do it when we should do it and whatever we're going to do, but we're being very cautious and trying to be uh, as proactive as possible in serving the community and serving the interests of all of the community, not just the vocal few and not just, you know, not just a minority or a majority, but to, to take care of everybody. And, and always, of course, we try and put the students' interests first, and that often is done best in coordination with the parents. And so those are the kinds of things that we do. But sometimes people come in and they get an, they, they get an issue. I mean, we, I still get emails about how masks are ineffective. And hmm. I agree 100%. And I'm happy for the input. I'm happy that people are involved enough to reach out to me, whether it's by email and my school email, whether it's my personal email or the board in general. I mean, I like having public involved. I, I, there's nothing wrong with that. I encourage it. And uh, I welcome it. And I think the other board members do, too. And we each respond to it a bit differently based on our own personal talents and abilities. Is, uh, were, were people fired up? Did it have to do with gender roles in the school and pronouns and stuff well, like that? Well, you know, the, the, there was some stuff sent around. and the, the, uh, There was a survey that was sent around by the State Board of Education. Uh, about whether or not people agreed with certain statements that, that had to do with gender roles, wow. um, as well as athletics. You know, I mean, it was all the hot buttons. Yeah. It was all the hot buttons, pronouns, um, this, that, all, all the stuff. And, um, you know, I, I actually took it and filled it out and hmm. said, and they said, well, who are you? I said, well, I'm a school board member. And I further said, if I don't like what you say, I'm probably going to vote to do something different, but here's what I think you should be doing in your policy. And of course they ignore me. <laughs> was this, like they do everybody else. Was the survey for the students then or the teachers or who, no, who was the it? Survey, the survey was for, for uh, whoever went and uh, Qualtrics did it, I think, but it was a, it was put out by the state board of education. And hmm. I don't know all their, all, all the dynamics of how that came about, but there was a big push from a lot of parents to, to respond and to let them know how they felt about it and what they were suggesting. And um, I think parents wanted to come and let us know 
how they felt about it. I mean, obviously, like I said, there were a lot of comments last night. I have not heard how that turned out. Um, you know, there were some comments on some other issues as well, and some of them may have been appropriate for that meeting, and some of them may not have been, and I don't, I, I can't speak to that. I know that uh, the meeting went over time. I know uh, Dave Sterling had to leave before the public comment was over. He had other obligations uh, that he has every Tuesday night after our meetings, and um, he'll be going back to listen to the comments as well. I know he mentioned that, so Okay. Um, it just it just depends. So I can't I can't say specifically about that. I I am aware of a few of the comments that were made, but I haven't had a chance to review the recording yet. And and I apologize to people for not being on top of it. But you know, like I said, I wasn't able to be in the room. Plus, you had a six thirty meeting this morning. So well, right. that, that didn't matter. I mean, I, I you, you do what you got to do. Yeah. All right. I, I got to get another sneak another break in here. We're talking with Terry Hutchinson. He is a member of the Washington County School Board. And we'll have more with Terry in just a second. Uh, right now, let's talk about Joe Shoney. Joe Shoney is the sponsor of this show and has been for about longer than I've been around. Uh, he's a local loan consultant serving Southern Utah since, uh, well, more than two and a half decades, back into the 90s, which doesn't seem that long ago to me, but it really was a long time ago. You look online, go to experience.com. The reviews for Joe are phenomenal, uh, 607 verified reviews and a score of 4.9 out of 5 stars. Phenomenal. A couple of the latest ones. Lisa B. says, Everyone who worked with was amazing, kind, efficient, and helpful. Karen says, This is my fourth home loan with Joe, and I can't say enough good things. They just go on and on and on and on. Five star five. I'm trying to see if the first two, three, four pages of this, they're all five stars. Phenomenal stuff. Again, it's Joe Shoney. Give him a call today if you want a different kind of loan, one that uh, your loan officer actually cares whether or not you succeed. The phone number is 435-590-6300. Joe Shoney is NMLS number 121041. Compelling guests, hot topics, the latest news. Always on the Andy Griffin Show. Is there a juicy part in it for me? Right here on News Radio 890. 92.5. KDXU. Southern Utah's News Talk Leader. Welcome back. Down to the last six or seven minutes of the program. If you want to call, well, I know I haven't really been asking for phone calls, but if you want to be a part of the show, talk to me or to Terry Hutchinson. Please call us at 673-5890. I also uh, have my phone in my hand if you would like to text and be a part of the program as well. Terry, thanks again for coming on the show today. It's great to talk to you, my friend. You bet, Andy. And uh, I just wanted to say before we run out of time that uh, we have been able to keep our schools open through this latest bout of COVID. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, it's been a little rocky and we've, we've really struggled with staff and lots of people getting it. And, you know, we've been able to, to keep the schools open. We've been able to keep the te- kids in the classrooms and uh, we've had to do some juggling, but I, I have to hand it to the teachers and the administrators at all of our schools is, you know, that they have been able to keep it open. We are the only big district in Utah that has kept open as much as the state has allowed us through this whole process. And it is being reflected in our test scores. To the relative schools that are the same size as us with us up north, we have really improved quite a bit. And we are right in the top, I'd say, one or two in nearly every one of our schools now, category-wise. And because they've gone to remote learning, they're not doing as well as they were. And 
because we've been able to keep kids in school, and that's been our priority ever since the drop, um, keep kids in school. Uh, in fact, if it was up to us, we never would have closed the schools in the first place, but that's on Gary Herbert. Yeah. But, uh, I, 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 and I'm never going to let that go. If that guy runs for anything else, I'm against him. Just, just <laughs> well, well, comment there. People, but, uh, people know that have listened to this show that, uh, and I had kids in school when all this went down, and, and mm-hmm. I, I was right there on the front lines of it, and I can tell you with 100% certainty that it made a huge difference having schools open. Uh, yeah. It made a, a huge difference finally getting the masks off, you know. Uh, uh, I, I think that that yes, was, I, I think it, the effects of that happening have not even been felt yet completely uh, of kids having to wear masks. Well, for, and, for you know, they're time. still doing it in some school districts. And once again, that gets back to my issue of local control. And I, I see the temptation of the legislature to intervene in that. But, yeah. I, you know, that, that's got to be with that's got to be with the parents and ultimately with the voters. If they don't like it, then vote them out, you know, but give give us the freedom to do what we do. And as you can see, if you give us the freedom, we're going to perform. And that's what we've done here in Washington County. And, and hats off to hats off to the to the teachers down here in particular who they have put up with a heck of a lot of additional work, additional labor, everything else uh, for the good of the students. That a lot of their fellow teachers, you know, in, in some of the unions up north and in, in other areas of the country, have not been willing to do. Our teachers, they really do put the students first, and 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 we, we cannot give them enough credit and enough gratitude so if you've got a kid in school you, you really should be thanking their teacher Thank because teacher. the teachers have showed up to work every day real quick question about teachers i want to get your take we've got about three minutes left a little less than three minutes terry mm-hmm. uh there's been a movement nationwide to have teachers post their curriculum their their lesson plans basically online uh the teachers that i know personally are like that's a bad idea why is it a bad idea or do you feel that way I don't think it's a bad idea in theory, but I, I think the reason that we get so much pushback from the teachers and, you know, from the administrators, that's something that they're wrestling with right now at the state legislature is the time requirement it takes to do that. Oh, yeah. We have procedures in place right now for, for parents to, to find out what is happening and teachers need some flexibility. For example, uh, Kristen Norton, who's our state school board representative, she was at our school board meeting uh, on the 31st. And she talked about how they, she was able to change her curriculum on really short notice to talk about natural disasters when the thing happened in Tonga, when that tsunami happened in Tonga. Yeah. And it was just a very effective method of teaching fifth graders. And if you put too many restrictions on them, that's it. So you get this legislation that comes out, and it's, it's a one-size-fits-all. And once again, it does away with the issue of local control, and then it it puts all these burdens on with unintended consequences. And so, while I support the idea of transparency and support the idea of teacher curriculum and parental involvement in, you know, district curriculum and everything else, it's the way that you go about it that has to be practical for the teachers who are, you know, pretty much at their limit as it is. And, and you don't want to get to the point where you're forcing them out of the business of teaching. So it's a, it's a balancing act that everybody's struggling with right now. But once again, it's a good theory. But when the legislature's doing something, that's usually a very blunt instrument for something that requires very detailed and fine work. 
<laughs> Somebody said to me last night, I was at the Transportation Expo, he said, yeah, be wary if a, someone says, hey, I'm from the government, I'm here to help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a Ronald Reagan quote, and it's absolutely right. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, uh, okay, Terry, thank you for coming on today. Again, I think our school district is in good hands. Uh, we live in a little bit different world than the rest of the world here in Washington County. I think it's safe to say that, right? We're well, I mean, not that we're backwards or anything. We're just a little more conservative. No, we are. But we also, um, especially for the last four or five years, have been really uh, trying to do to watch over the curriculum and the other things. And that's while we can always get better, um, you know, we've done pretty well. So and there's a lot of good things going on in the district that people should be paying attention to. But thanks for having me on, Andy. My uh, pleasure. Probably be a few months before you have me on again. You'll get another one next month. We'll hear you every day in bookmarks. So thank you, Terry. Exactly. <laughs> Nine fifty nine on KDXU. Time to check in with national news. Travis and Sexton are up next. I'm Andy. Thanks for listening.